bringing you the latest in tax credit news, this is Tax Credit Tuesday with your host, Michael Novogratik. Hello, I'm Michael Novogratik, and this is Tax Credit Tuesday. Today is Tuesday, February 19, 2019. That's 2 2019 Ten years ago this week, President Barack Obama signed the American Recovery and Reinvestment Act of 2009. ARA was intended to provide an economic boost to the economy, and among the provisions included was $2.25 billion in in cash funds for the Tax Credit Assistance Program, or it was commonly known as TCAP. This money was intended to provide gap financing for low-income housing tax credit properties. Now, ARA also gave the low-income housing tax credit allocating agencies the option to exchange up to 40% of the 2009 low-income housing tax credit allocations for cash at an 85% exchange rate, which the states would then make available to low-income housing tax credit properties. Furthermore, ARA provided an additional $3 billion in new markets tax allocation authority for 2008 and 2009, as well as enhancements to the renewable energy tax credits, including a cash exchange program there as well. Now, turning to this week's podcast, I'm going to start by discussing the enacted appropriations bill for fiscal year 2019. From there, I'll discuss last week's Opportunity Zones hearing, as well as announcements from the CD5 Fund. From there, I have some news on the nomination of Mark Calabria as head of the Federal Housing Finance Agency, as well as a summary of three state tax bills. If you're ready, let's get started. Well, the government did not shut down last Friday, as President Donald Trump signed a spending bill to keep the government funded through September 30th of 2019. As we discussed in prior podcasts and was ever-present in the news, last week the federal government was open and operating based on a continuing resolution that was scheduled to expire on Friday, February 15th. Now, President Trump's signing of the 2019 omnibus bill averted a second partial government shutdown. Well, at least it averted it until September 30th of this year. Now, the omnibus bill provides $53.8 billion of gross appropriations for HUD. That is about $1 billion, or nearly 2% more than the prior year. Now, I'm not going to detail all the funding amounts here. You can read our notes from the Novogratz blog post, which compares funding amounts for key HUD programs to those approved spending in previous years. But, in essence, the fiscal year 2019 omnibus bill sustains the major HUD funding increases that were enacted in fiscal year 2018. And the bill provides increases for a few programs. Looking at the CDFI fund, the bill provides almost $250 million. Now this is the same amount that was approved the prior year, but fortunately the bill rejected White House proposals to eliminate all grant funding and provide only $14 million in administrative funding for the new Marcus tax credit and CDFI fund bond guarantee programs. Now, there had been some discussions earlier as to whether the fiscal year 2019 appropriations legislation could be a vehicle for tax extenders and other tax provisions, such as extending the new markets tax credit beyond its expiration at the end of this year and providing a minimum 4% rate for the low-income housing tax credit. Well, the Senate did try adding extenders to the appropriations bill, but failed. Now, other potential vehicles for tax extenders include so-called must-pass legislation. And a key example of that is going to be 
some type of budget deal to increase spending caps for fiscal year 2020. Sequestration and the tight spending caps for the Budget Control Act are going to be back in effect for fiscal year 2020 absent such a deal. So switching topics now from legislation to regulation, I was in Washington, D.C. last week with my partner, John Charetti. We were there to testify on behalf of the Novogratic Opportunity Zones Working Group at the IRIS hearing on proposed Opportunity Zones regulations. Last week's hearing was originally scheduled for January 10th, but because of the government shutdown, the hearing was rescheduled to Valentine's Day. And for those of you who saw me on Twitter or LinkedIn postings, yes, I was wearing a pink tie and shirt for Valentine's Day. Now, many of you were asking whether or not the hearing would be live streamed or later available through video recording. Unfortunately, no. But for those of you who follow me on Twitter, you may have seen me live tweeting the event. I highlighted through my tweet some of the key topics that were being covered. Now, there were 23 speakers scheduled in total. More than 200 people attended. It was a packed auditorium. In fact, the line to get in was so long it went out the door and some people, those that weren't scheduled to speak, were turned away because the room had reached capacity and it would have been a fire hazard to bring in more. Obviously, Opportunity Zones is a very hot topic. There's tremendous interest in the new tool, a tool that could bring billions of dollars of private investment to low-income communities. The IRS released proposed regulations last October, which is what this hearing was about, and those regulations generated 150, give or take, comment letters. Now, last week's hearing focused primarily on that first tranche of proposed regulations. However, a second tranche of proposed regulations is expected in the next few weeks. Now, as mentioned earlier, my partner John Shreddy and I spoke on behalf of the Opportunity Zones Working Group. We addressed three main topics. Now, I won't go into much detail for each one, but I do want to highlight the bottom line for each. First, we talked about the valuation methods for applying the 90% and 70% asset tests. Bottom line, the working group recommends allowing all taxpayers the option to use unadjusted cost basis for calculating the 90% and 70% asset tests. Now, the second topic that we addressed was the issue of substantial improvements. We said that businesses, particularly operating businesses, should have the option, an election, to use an aggregate test treating the combined beginning basis and all of their tangible property as one, and then measuring all improvements against this combined amount. That is, as opposed to tracing improvements to each individual asset, to decide if that asset has been substantially improved. And the third topic we discussed was the grace period for qualified opportunity zone businesses to qualify as businesses. The opportunity zone statute does not provide any information on how long a business gets to qualify. The proposed regulations do provide a 31-month safe harbor, but it does not appear to be available for all eligible businesses. The working group recommends providing a separate safe harbor, giving all eligible businesses a grace period to qualify. The Opportunity Zones Working Group specifically recommends providing a safe harbor for all qualified Opportunity Zone businesses. Now, other topics covered at the hearing included the importance of being able to roll over gains, the need for reporting requirements, as well as guidance on pairing opportunity zones with other incentives, such as the low-income tax credit, new markets tax credit, and historic tax credit. Now, if you're interested in reading more about some of the issues discussed at the hearing, 
you can check out the speaker outlines posted on the Opportunity Zones Resource Center. I'll tweet a link to the speaker outlines. Now I also mentioned that the second tranche of proposed regulations is expected soon. Be sure to subscribe to the Novogradic free, that's right, they're free, industry alert emails. We'll send an alert as soon as the second tranche of guidance is released. We'll first send the alert when it goes to OIRA for OMB, Office Management Budgets Regulatory Review, and then when it gets released by the IRS. A subscription link is in today's show notes. Now, staying on the administrative front, the CDFI fund last week announced that the calendar year 2018 round of the new Marcus tax credit has been delayed until spring 2019. This, somewhat apparently, because of the government shutdown. The CDFI fund did not give any more specific dates beyond naming the season of the year. But as I've mentioned in previous podcasts, we do expect the awards announcements to be made in late March or early April. On the compliance reporting front, certain filing deadlines were necessarily pushed back because of the government shutdown. Compliance reports that were due between December 2018 and February 2019 are now due March 31st. That's less than six weeks away. The CDFI fund did say that in early March, they will revise CDFI and New Markets Tax Credit Reporting Guidance that addresses some of the problems that have been identified by users. Now, the CDFI fund announcement also advised awardees and allocatees to check the reporting schedule in the Awards Management Information System, or AMIS. Please check to verify the specific compliance reports that were affected by the deadline extension. You can see today's show notes for a link to the CDFI fund announcement, which also includes revised deadlines for annual certification and data collection reports, CDFI fund programs, and other information that's uh, of pertinence to allocatees and awardees. Now, for help with the New Market Task Rate Compliance Reports, I'd encourage you to contact a Novogratic partner near you. Now, we do have other news from the CDFI fund, and this relates to the Capital Magnet Fund. The fiscal year 2018 Capital Magnet Fund awards were announced last week. A total of nearly $143 million was awarded to 38 organizations to preserve, rehabilitate, or purchase affordable housing. The money can also be used for related economic development and community service facilities. I included links to the list of the awardees and to a notes Novogratic blog post on the awards in today's show notes. Now, in congressional hearing news, the Senate Banking Committee held a hearing last week on the nomination of Mark Calabria to be director of the Federal Housing Finance Agency, or FHFA. As you know, among the oversight duties of the the FHFA are Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, which are in conservatorship. Calabria addressed issues that are of significant concern to those of us in the affordable housing and community development communities. Specifically, Calabria said he would not suspend Fannie and Freddie's annual contributions to the Housing Trust Fund and the Capital Magnet Fund unless Fannie and Freddie were failing. Calabria does not believe, he said, that the financial circumstances where he would exercise his authority to suspend GSE allocations for the Housing Trust Fund and Capital Magnet Fund are likely to happen soon. Calabria also said he would keep the FHFA's duty to serve rule in place. Now these comments have led to a collective sigh of relief to many in the community development field. Now the committee has not yet held a vote on Calabria's nomination, but that should come soon. Let's turn now to state-level news. We have news from Tennessee, Texas, and Kentucky. In Tennessee, 
legislators have proposed a state historic tax credit. The Tennessee historic tax credit, proposed historic tax credit, would be on a sliding scale of between 10% and 30%, depending on where the building was located. Incidentally, but not coincidentally, all eight states that share a border with Tennessee have state historic tax credits. And if you're wondering, bordering eight states is the most of any state. Tennessee and Missouri both border eight states. Now turning to Texas, legislation was introduced to create a state tax credit for investments in rural opportunity zones. The credit would be 25% and would be able to be claimed against the state insurance tax. And turning to Kentucky, a similar bill was introduced to provide tax credits for investments in rural opportunity zones. The Kentucky bill would create a tax credit similar to the federal New Marcus tax credit with an annual statewide cap of $35 million. Now I've included copies of all three state bills in today's show notes. Well, that brings it to the end of this week's report. Now just a reminder, registration now open for the Novogratz 2019 Opportunity Zone Spring Conference. It's going to be in Denver on April 25th and 26th. There's also a basics day on Wednesday, April 24th. Now our last conference sold out. We had over a thousand attendees and we ended up having to tell some attendees or those who wanted to attend that they couldn't register because we had reached capacity. To avoid that, please register now. Now at the conference, we will discuss the latest Opportunity Zones guidance and trending topics. Now we'll include a link to the registration page in today's show notes as well as tweet it out. Remember, the last conference sold out. Please register early. That's it for now. I'm Michael Novogratik. Thanks for listening. This weekly podcast has been brought to you by Novogratik and Company, LLP. Archived podcasts are available online at www.novaco.com forward slash podcast or by subscribing to the Tax Credit Tuesday podcast in iTunes. You can find related links referenced in this podcast in our show notes at www.novaco.com forward slash podcast. Novogratik and Company LLP is a national certified public accounting and consulting firm with offices nationwide. Learn more about our professional services at www.novaco.com.